Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, April 29th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Over at the website, did the daily article today for Major League Baseball. Smaller card here on a Thursday. My apologies for not being more consistent with that article over the last three weeks or so here. Was on vacation, and then this week we had some miscommunications over at the website and all of that. So, Didn't do it the last couple of days, got back at it today, should be doing it here over the next little while for you over at the website. Lots of stuff going on over there, lots of static content being updated with state pages and all that type of thing. So lots of stuff on my plate over at the website, trying to get that daily article out to you. And to be totally honest with you, you know, with where things currently stand with the Major League Baseball season, with the picks that I've made, uh, the things that have happened here so far, the two weeks that I was away, not really looking at a whole lot of anything, still trying to get myself back into the rhythm of the Major League Baseball season. Uh, it's been a very, very different year. I'll talk about a lot of those things here on today's show, but I did want to apologize for not only how the picks have gone in the article so far, but also for the inconsistency of that article. Uh, you know, did go on vacation, did have the downtime, but this week it's just been a thing where, you know, there's there's been a lot going on, and, and I don't want to get into detail with that at this time, but just want to let everybody know that, you know, trying to get back into the flow of things here as far as Major League Baseball goes, and hopefully that will happen here over the next little while. We got a lot of good content over at ATS.io along with my daily article, still covering golf, UFC, and NASCAR for you. We got picks and predictions across the NBA, NHL, and all the other stuff that's going on. So make sure you head over there and check all of that out. And download the ATS app as well, which you can find in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database. Really, really powerful tool for you to have at your disposal. So make sure you check out that ATS app today. All right, so with that, we'll go with the traditional format here of the betters box. I'll start by taking a look beyond the box score, go down the lines, give you a sabermetric stat of the show, and then a preview here for the weekend. And something that's getting a lot of run right now in Major League Baseball circles in the analyst community is the low batting average, a 232 league-wide batting average, 309 on base percentage, 390 slugging percentage. And I talked about the slugging percentage on Monday and about how low that is, the impact it's having on run scoring, the impact it's having on certain teams, particularly those fly ball teams, those teams that were projected this season to hit a lot of home runs. But when you look at this 232 batting average, it would be the lowest ever in recorded baseball history. 237 back in 1968, 239 in 1908, at least based on the data that Fangraphs has. So we're staring at the lowest batting average ever in Major League Baseball history. And BABIP, batting average on balls in play, is down to 283. That's the lowest we've seen since 1989. And remember back then, you kind of had a deader baseball and all that sort of the dead ball era before steroids really took hold in the 90s. So what we have here is we have this depressed offensive environment, one that we've really not seen before and certainly have not seen in recent history and something else here too is that pitchers are going to start pitching to more contact because invariably they're going to realize and make the adjustments that the balls in play are not nearly as detrimental this season as they have been in the past because the ball's not carrying as well we're not getting as many doubles home runs extra base hits fielders are having a lot more success 
The exit velocities are up, but as I've talked about a lot on shows already throughout the month, there's a decrease or there's an increase, excuse me, level of drag on the baseball. So it's slowing it down in route to the fielders. It's slowing it down and kind of killing it in the outfield. So walk rates should go down. And in fact, we only have five teams right now in Major League Baseball with a double-digit walk rate. I think we had 11 last year during that 2020 short sample size. So pitchers are already making their adjustments. And when I look at this, you know, I, I kind of speculated on, I think, Monday's show about whether or not offense would go up as the weather conditions got better for hitting the baseball. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. I mean, we may end up seeing a little bit more power. Maybe that home run to fly ball percentage does go up a little bit. But pitchers are not going to nibble anymore. You know, they're going to go ahead and throw strikes. And they're going to let their fielders make plays. So the walk rate has actually gone down a little bit as everybody has kind of made this adjustment. And the problem here is that I don't really know what hitters can do differently. You know, you already have a lot of guys that have increased their launch angles, have kind of changed their swing paths and all of that. And now all of those adjustments, I'm not going to say they're all for naught, but they're not going to be as productive as we would have expected. And so I think baseball is in a really precarious spot right now. They're doing some experiments in independent leagues with bigger bases, moving the mound back, all kinds of different things. But for the most part, offense is pretty non-existent. And when you talk about it in the context of totals betting right now, a lot more unders than overs, a lot of games that are in that nine and a half, nine range that are getting bet down to eight and a half and nine, stuff like that. Look, we're going to see fewer opportunities for runs to be scored. You know, when you look in the context of uh, this most recent decade of baseball dating back to 2010, three of the last four full seasons ranked in the bottom of plate appearances with runners in scoring position. So there just aren't chances to drive in runs nowadays. And with that low batting average, even with those chances, we're seeing fewer of those chances cashed in. So there are a lot of things that we can do with this data here. And again, I don't know how much this is actually going to change. But from a total standpoint, yeah, we're seeing totals that are probably half a run lower than they would have been last year. And we're seeing those nine and a halfs and nines get bet down, even with those bad pitchers on the mound. And in fact, we even have one today with Colorado and Arizona, Antonio Senzatella and Luke Weaver, two guys with really bad command that allow a lot of hard contact. That totals come down from nine to eight and a half. And I was tempted to play the over eight and a half in that game. But as I started thinking about this and putting it in the context of the show here, offense is just not there. Offense is just non-existent right now. And batters are not getting rewarded nearly as much for the hard contact that they're making. So for right now, not only has it been you know a state of flux for me with the vacation and all of that, but just simply trying to understand and ascertain what's happening with this Major League Baseball season where offense is just not going to be a thing. Pitchers that have home run issues aren't going to be penalized as much as they would have been in past seasons. Pitchers that don't have the command from a hard contact standpoint, they're not being penalized as much. So this has been a very difficult baseball season for me because a lot of the things that I look at, a lot of the things I use in my handicapping are either not coming to fruition or aren't even factors anymore because of the changes that have been made to the baseball. So it's been very frustrating for me. And I can only imagine 
being a front office executive with some of these teams where you make all of these changes, you make these philosophical organizational changes to try and improve. And now all of a sudden, these teams that have been trying to build competitive advantages with launch angles or hitting more fly balls or something like that, you know, those things aren't really working out the way that they were expected to. And I get it. People talk about it all the time. Baseball is a game of adjustments, and, and that's true whether you're hitting, pitching, you know, executive, betting on it, whatever the case may be. But now everybody has to pivot again, not knowing how the baseball will play going forward, not knowing if all of a sudden the mound moves back a foot or something like that. So baseball is in a very bad spot right now, and, and it's sort of kind of disenfranchising to me. I, I will admit, and certainly, you know, the time away has something to do with it, but I'm not enjoying the game as much this season. You know, I'm just not enjoying what they're doing, how they're bastardizing the game of baseball. I hate extra innings. I, I cannot stand that gimmick. And the game is going in a negative direction, even though it has more marketable young stars. And we've had some excitement. We've had the, the Dodgers and Padres series. We've had the Musgrove no-hitter, the Bumgarner seven-inning no-hitter, uh, you know, some, some highlight reel types of things. But at the end of the day, I don't like where the game of baseball is going. And that probably is having a negative impact on my handicapping of the game because a lot of the things that I picked up on, a lot of the trends I tried to get out in front of are not happening now. So it's all about adjusting at this point in time and, and having limited volume and just almost to a degree not really knowing what to say. Because you have to reinvent the wheel here. Well, at least I have to reinvent the wheel here with my handicapping style. So it's been a challenge. It's been a frustration. And, you know, we're only talking about four weeks of baseball here in the month of April, where maybe you don't want to make too many concrete generalizations. But at the same time, I don't see anything really changing here. The, the baseball is not going to change midstream. At least I don't think so. Batting averages are not going to suddenly skyrocket. You know, we saw this with BABIP with the platoon advantage dying. And that's a big part of the reason why the BABIP is very low again this year. Because right-handed batters or left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers are struggling again. So this season is is just off to a very bad start in a lot of different ways. And I'm concerned about the long-term well-being of the game. And we'll see what happens here with the upcoming CBA and all those negotiations and if a labor impasse uh, you know, does come to fruition, but this has been a bad month of April for me and it's been very frustrating and it's been something that has kind of soured my love of the game because I don't like what is happening with the changes. I don't like the direction in which baseball is going. And, you know, when you handicap, you've got to be in the right mindset and this is something where I envy the modeling crowd to a degree because they just put their numbers in the spreadsheet and whatever it says, it says, and that's what you go ahead and bet. It takes a lot of the emotion out of it. But if you don't model, if you handicap on a day-by-day basis and all that kind of thing, like 98% of handicappers probably do, you've got to be in the right mindset. And, and so far, that mindset has evaded me. And, and I know that has impacted you know, the picks that I've made And so, you know, I'm just trying to figure it all out here uh, while everybody else is trying to do the same thing, at least the people that handicap in the way that I do, maybe people that don't are having great seasons and kudos to them for that. But there are a lot of things happening right now in Major League Baseball on a macro level 
that are concerning across the board for me. And so I'm, I'm trying to work through that, trying to get through that mental block. But I will admit, it is a very difficult thing. And just to sort of tie all of this together here to say that, you know, you've got to be in the proper mindset to handicap. And furthermore, you have to be able to allocate the proper amount of time to the handicapping process. You know, if, if you're not able to put in the time that you think you need to be effective, then you shouldn't be doing it. And that's something for me right now where, you know, not doing the daily article is a byproduct of that. I feel like I haven't had the time to put in to do my work, to do the due diligence, to put forth an educated and smart handicap. So I haven't been doing the article as much. Now I'm getting back into that and sort of realizing what's happening now that we've got some sample size and all of that. So I'm expecting, you know, in the future here that things will be pretty status quo. We'll get back to normal. But again, you've got to make so many adjustments here with Major League Baseball. And these are just some of the ones that I'm kind of looking at and some of the differences in the handicapping process that I've noticed here based on the offense or lack thereof that we've seen so far this season. So with that being said here, I've got a few play on teams for you to keep an eye on. And maybe these are teams that get some steam in the betting markets. Maybe these are teams that don't. But the Minnesota Twins, they're 0-5 in extra innings here so far, 2-6 and in one-run games. 5-12 and 12 against teams 500 or better. They've only played six games against teams with a losing record, but they are already minus three in Pythagorean win-loss record. Kenta Maeda has not pitched as well as expected. They've had some injuries on the offensive side. Uh, they've had some bullpen things that just haven't worked out for them. This is a better team than they've shown so far. I do think we're reaching a point where the Twins will end up having some value. And again, look for record in one-run games because that is something that typically tends to be plus or minus two or three games on either side of 500. And as you get these teams that are really struggling in those close games, that is something I would expect to see regression to the mean from uh, in relatively short order. Similarly, the Marlins, they're two and six in one run games. They have a positive run differential, but they are a team with a losing record right now. They are a sub 500 team. They are better than that, at least based on their statistical profile. So that's a team that you may want to watch as we go forward here. Also, the Indians, they're winless in one-run games at 0-4. They've got a very good bullpen. The offense has played better than the numbers would indicate from a contact quality standpoint. Maybe the Indians go on a little bit of a heater here. Maybe they don't. Uh, They've made some disappointing roster decisions here of late. They're running a nine-man bullpen. I don't know why. Not really sure why they haven't done something with the first base position yet. Uh, But, you know, as they start to make some changes here going into the month of May, the Indians may go on a little bit of a heater. The Braves, this is a team with bad cluster luck issues. And cluster luck, a concept I talked about a lot in the 2021 MLB betting guide. Read about that in Joe Pita's great book, Trading Bases. But the Braves here, their pitching staff on the season, with the bases empty, they've allowed a 221 batting average, 299 on base, 397 slugging. With men in scoring position, The Braves have allowed a 392 Woba, weighted on base average, a 291 batting average, 386 on base, 555 slugging percentage. So their batting average against is 70 points higher with men in scoring position than it is with the bases empty. That will positively regress. The Braves will increase their left on base percentage. And with an offense that I really like, I think this team is absolutely ripe to go on a heater here, go on a nice run, probably take charge of first place in the NL East. 
So I'll be looking for spots to bet on the Braves here in the near future. And then similarly with that concept of cluster luck, the Tampa Bay Rays, with the bases empty, the Rays have allowed a 207 average, 271 on base, 326 slugging. Very, very good numbers with the bases empty. However, with men in scoring position, a 289 batting average, 371 on base, 480 slugging percentage. So the Braves and Rays, two teams that have some major cluster luck issues on the pitching side where they're doing fine with the bases empty, but giving up a lot of hits, a lot of extra base hits in those high leverage situations with men in scoring position. That is something I would expect positive regression from here as we go forward. Some play against teams in my mind, one of them being the Kansas City Royals here. They are plus three in Pythagorean win-loss. They are overachieving in a pretty big way right now, as far as I'm concerned. I talked about this on Monday, but they've got that big gap between Woba and ex-Woba on the pitching side. So they've gotten really fortunate that a lot of the hard contact against them has wound up getting fielded. They are a very good defensive team. So there is that. There's something to be said about good defensive teams and what they're able to do in terms of overachieving with that quality of contact against. But I don't think it's something that they will continue to overachieve overachieve with to the same degree. So they're 6-1 and in one-run games. The timing of those hits and all of that, something that you know will ultimately alter some of their results. So the Royals are a fade team to me right now at this point in time. So definitely looking at good opportunities to go against Kansas City for the next little while here. Looking to fade the Nationals, although it seems like a lot of people are looking to do that without Juan Soto in the lineup. And I've talked about this before with line moves when teams are missing star players. Usually you see a 10 to 15 cent move, something like that. Well, when it comes to the Nationals here with a guy like Juan Soto, I mean, he's one of the most important players in baseball. So the market already moving against them, but they're getting outscored by a run per game here on the season, 4.6 to 3.6. I don't think their pitching staff is very good. I don't think the offense is very good. They are worse than their 9 and 12 record shows. So the Nationals are a play against team as far as I'm concerned here. Also the Pirates. You know, the Pirates have already played 12 games against division opposition. And while the Brewers have, you know, looked pretty good here at the outset, while the Reds got off to their hot offensive start and they've really leveled off, this is still a very bad division. As the Pirates get out and play the teams in the East, of which they haven't faced a team in the East yet, and as they go and play more teams in the West, particularly the better teams in the West division there, I think the Pirates are a team that will fall off. So there are big numbers that you have to lay in order to fade the Pirates, but JT Brubaker is about the only guy I want to back on that pitching staff. Maybe Tyler Anderson, who's looked really, really good here, but the Pirates have played a lot of games against weak competition. They've played a weak schedule, so they are a team that probably becomes a punching bag as they face some of the better teams out there in baseball. I don't think the Yankees are a play against team necessarily, but they're only allowing a 233 Woba with men in scoring position. So I don't know if they're a fade team, but I think you, that we should start betting some overs with the Yankees as we go forward here. They will not have that same level of success at stranding runners in scoring position, and also their offense has greatly underachieved to this point in time. So I think the Yankees are going to score more runs and also allow more runs. So I think the Yankees overs something you want to take a look at here. You could fade them a little bit if you want to, if you don't believe that that offense 
will get back in line. But they're allowing a 233 Woba with men in scoring position, easily the lowest in the league. That is something that I would expect to regress to the mean as we go forward here. And lastly, I think the Oakland A's are a play against team, and they're not today for me. I did back the A's and Chris Bassett against the Rays and Shane McClanahan. But the A's are allowing a 341 Woba with the bases empty and only a 268 Woba with men in scoring position. And again, this concept of cluster luck is very important. And what it means is a difference in performance between the bases empty and either men on base or runners in scoring position. So if you're hitting with the bases empty, but not with men in scoring position, you would expect that to improve on the offensive side for you. Similarly, if you're getting outs with the bases empty, but not with men in scoring position, that should also improve and help your pitching staff, help your chances of winning games. But in Oakland's case here, they're not performing well with the bases empty, but have been able to strand a high percentage of those runners. A big reason why they went on that 13 game winning streak. The A's are a fade team to me. Now I didn't fade them today, but I think on the whole, I will be betting against Oakland more than I'll be betting on them down the line segment here. And to circle back to what I talked about with regards to offense and the low batting averages and all of that. If you see a high total that doesn't come down, like, for example, today's game between the Mariners and the Astros with Yusei Kikuchi and Luis Garcia on the mound, that's a total of nine that has not come down. And in fact, there's a little bit of overjuice in that game. If you see a total of nine or higher that does not come down, that tells you that that game has some good run scoring opportunities. Because as I just talked about for you know 20 minutes at the top of the show here, offense is at some of its lowest levels ever. So we're seeing a lot of those higher totals get bet down almost immediately, or we're seeing them get posted a half run lower than they should be or something like that. I mean, we've seen total moves of a run and a half here uh, over the last few weeks. So if you're looking at a high total that doesn't come down, a nine, a nine and a half, a 10, something like that, that doesn't come down, that isn't blindly getting bet under, then that's something you want to pay attention to. And especially If you get an eight and a half that goes to nine or an eight that goes to eight and a half, something like that, that is 100% the kind of move that you want to take a look at. So if you're seeing over money, and this isn't about steam chasing or anything like that, this is just about reading the context clues in the betting market. If you're seeing over money, then that money makes a lot of sense here. And if it makes a lot of sense, that's probably a game that's going to go over because we're not seeing a lot of overs here for this season. So keep that in mind. Any total that doesn't come down, I think that says a lot here with this current offensive environment. So make sure you're paying attention to those totals moves or lack thereof out in the betting markets. On Tuesday, we saw another big Reds fade. That was Jeff Hoffman against Walker Bueller. The Dodgers are taking money just about every game. They've taken money today in that Trevor Bauer and Eric Lauer matchup against the Brewers. No price seems to be big enough to not bet on the Dodgers as long as they're not playing the Padres. So if you want to bet the Dodgers, if you like the Dodgers, get it early because it is probably going to go up. On Tuesday, we saw Kenta Maeda money against the Indians. Perhaps that was a fade of Aaron Savale. Perhaps that was a buy of Kenta Maeda. Maeda has not pitched well here so far. He's really off to a slow start. I'll be watching his lines very closely as we go forward here to see if there are more signs of market confidence in him 
but I am very surprised to see this poor start to the season so far. We saw Waka money on the Rays against the A's on Tuesday. Again, a lot of that probably has to do with the cluster luck dynamics that I talked about already, where the Rays are in line for positive regression with runners in scoring position, and the A's pitching staff is in line for negative regression. So that probably has something to do with it. But what stands out to me here is money on Michael Waka, who has not pitched well so far. And again, this isn't steam chasing. This is using the context clues that are out there in the marketplace. Like I just talked about with totals, if a high total is not coming down, that says a lot right now. If a bad pitcher is taking money, that says a lot right now too. So when you get a bad pitcher with some ugly numbers taking some money, that says a lot. So those are things I would absolutely pay very close attention to as we go forward here throughout the course of the season. On Wednesday, we saw some Braves money against the Cubs. That was Kyle Hendricks on the bump for the Cubs. And something is wrong with Kyle Hendricks. The velocity is down. The spin rates are down. The command is down. Everything is down for Kyle Hendricks. Don't be surprised if we see a injured list stint for him coming up here in the not-too-distant future. Uh, We'll see if we get a fade opportunity against him in his next start. But there is something very wrong with Kyle Hendricks at this point in time. I talked about it on Monday's show, but the Giants are taking a lot of money right now. They took money again on Wednesday against the Rockies. It paid off. They picked up another victory. The Rockies are also 1-8 and eight on the road. They've scored 21 runs in their nine road games here so far. So uh, not a lot of people backing the Rockies on the road, and you can understand why. The Angels taking money here with Anthony Rendon back. They've been getting back the 10 to 15 cents that they were losing when Rendon was out. So when I talk about guys or teams losing a star player, that line does move 10 to 15 cents. When that star player comes back, there's still a mispricing in the marketplace. So that team typically going to take 10 to 15 cents, something like that. Then we'll kind of see where that line settles in. But the Angels did take some money on Wednesday. That was Alex Cobb against Dane Dunning in that one. And the Angels put up a four spot on Dunning in the first inning, and that held up as they didn't score throughout the rest of the game. Jacob DeGrom, Tyler Glass now taking money. We saw Lucas Giolito take money. The Aces keep taking money on a daily basis. That just happens without fail. Those lines go up 20, 25 cents. If you're betting an ace, bet it early. It's a pretty simple thing uh, to keep in mind there. So a big move on Steven Matz and the Jays against Eric Fetty and the Nationals. Totally agree with the fate of Fetty. Uh, didn't work out. Washington won that one. But uh, you know, seeing some confidence in Matz out there in the marketplace, but also just that anti-Eric Fetty sentiment that just seems to kind of hang around year in and year out. Thursday, we're seeing a fade of Aaron Nola that I don't understand. I took the Phillies today. That's in the article. Uh, you won't hear this show before that game goes off probably, uh, but didn't understand the Aaron Nola fade. So took the Phillies in that one against the Cardinals. Mentioned the Bauer and Dodgers money against the Brewers. Not a big surprise there. Also big money on the Yankees today with Jordan Montgomery on the hill against Jorge Lopez and the Baltimore Orioles. It uh, doesn't seem like I'm going to have a lot of line equity in Jordan Montgomery here for this season. So that's a little bit disappointing for me. Sabermetric stat of the day here today is spin rate. Spin rate measured in RPM. It's a good indicator of pitcher health. Also, spin rate is a good sign of raw talent. The higher the spin rate, the tighter the spin. The higher the spin rate and the tighter the spin, the more late movement you get. And also you generally get more movement with a higher spin rate. It makes it harder to center on the baseball, assuming that a pitcher can command that high spin rate arsenal. 
when you think about the guys under the microscope for using foreign substances, like a Garrett Cole, like a Trevor Bauer, guys like that, sticky substances will increase the spin rate because the fingers are on the baseball longer. So it allows for more drag. It allows for more movement on the ball. And it just creates more spin, more movement, makes it more difficult for hitters to center on. So a lot of times when I go through baseball savant and I'm looking at spin rates, there are a few different things that I'm looking at. One of the first is I'm looking for decreases in spin rate, both season over season and also game over game, because decreased spin rate will mean a decrease in stuff quality, and it could also mean a sign of injury. An increased spin rate means that the team has worked on something or the pitcher has worked on something to try and optimize that pitch to get more movement out of it, to get it off the barrel more, all of that. Maybe there was an underlying injury the previous year that's no longer a factor. Spin rate can tell you a lot. It's not a be-all, end-all by any means, but it is something I do factor into the equation a lot, particularly with looking at pitcher health. If you see a decrease in velocity along with a decrease in spin rate, those are two really good injury indicators, and I will not bet on a pitcher I think is injured because I just don't expect sharpness. I don't expect stuff quality, anything like that. And maybe that guy winds up pitching an inning and then leaves the game, something like that. So spin rate, I think is really important in a lot of ways. It's something that can be a little bit difficult to understand, but generally speaking, the higher the spin rate, the better a guy's chances are of inducing weak contact of staying off the barrel because you get that late tight movement that winds up getting out of the bat path a little bit. So spin rate, something I look at for a lot of different reasons, uh, and hopefully you understand why it's something that I find important. Finally here, four series to preview for the weekend ahead. We start with the Indians and the White Sox. Shane Bieber, Dallas Keuchel on Friday. Tristan McKenzie, Lance Lynn on Saturday. Zach Plesak and Lucas Giolito on Sunday. The Indians still can't get the bats going, as I've mentioned. The White Sox have one of the better offenses in baseball this year, hitting a lot of ground balls. Um, not really a big fan of ground ball oriented offenses, but this season, you know, ground balls seem to be working out a little bit better than fly balls. Bieber was excellent in his first start against the White Sox. We'll see what he does in this one. Indians getting Keuchel a left-hander on Friday there. Their left-handed lineup has been more productive than their right-handed lineup, at least to this point in time. So kind of like the Indians there on Friday night, but as far as Saturday goes, uh, you know, Tristan McKenzie with some velocity concerns. Lance Lynn pitching well again. Zach Plesak struggling on Sunday. The Indians can't hit Giolito. Not a big fan of the outlook in this series for the Indians. Do like Bieber on Friday. Would probably pay something in the minus 145, minus 150 range on him, I would think. Uh, but that's about the only game where I do like the spot here uh, for the Indians. Otherwise, like the White Sox in the other two games. Dodgers and Brewers, Trevor Bauer, Eric Lauer tonight to be determined in Freddie Peralta on Friday, Dustin May, Brandon Woodruff Saturday, Julio Urias and Corbin Burns on Sunday. Lots of awesome pitching in this series. The Brewers throwing their two studs in Woodruff and Burns over the weekend. Uh, some good television here watching these games. You know, the Dodgers are taking on a lot of money here, but also they've got some major bullpen issues right now. Some guys are hurt. Some guys have been ineffective. The Brewers have a very good bullpen, you know, with Williams and Hayter, Fireisen, Brent Suter, I think, although he just went on the DL, I believe. So do you look at the Brewers here to live bet them if the games are close? 
Are you only looking to bet the Dodgers for the first five? Well, if that's the case, it's hard to fade Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns for the first five. So interesting series, tough to bet series, I think, but a lot of talent on display for these two pitching staffs here. The Astros in the Rays this weekend, Lance McCullers, Josh Fleming Friday, Jose Urquidy and Rich Hill on Saturday, Christian Javier and Michael Waka on Sunday. A couple of underachieving teams to this point. I like both of these teams coming into the season. I've got a piece of the Rays win total over, have the Astros for the World Series and all of that. But I look at these two teams and I kind of wonder what will happen in these two games. Both offenses do show some signs of positive regression. Astros playing better now that they've put those COVID issues in the past. Both of these bullpens a little bit shaky. Tough series to handicap here, but I'm hoping to find some edges as I break things down in the article throughout the weekend. Lastly, the Mets and the Phillies here. Marcus Stroman and Chase Anderson on Friday. Uh, Taiwan Walker and Zach Wheeler on Saturday. David Peterson, Zach Eflin on Sunday Night Baseball. Taiwan Walker has one of the highest Woba minus X Woba discrepancies in all of baseball this season. He's gotten very, very fortunate. I will probably look to fade him here on Saturday. We'll see what that Zach Wheeler price looks like. But one of the reasons I wanted to mention this is that both teams play Sunday night baseball here, and then they're in action on Monday. No off day on Monday. The Phillies stay at home. They host uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, and then the Mets go to St. Louis, where Jacob deGrom is on the mound on Monday. So may look to fade the Phillies here on Monday, the return of Matt Moore to the rotation with Adrian Hauser going for the Brewers. But just something that's kind of interesting to follow is the teams coming off of Sunday night baseball that have to turn around and play Monday right away. That's an angle I have kind of looked at in the past and something I think could possibly come to fruition here for the Phillies on Monday following this big series against the Mets. I'll be back again on Monday with another edition of the Betters Box. I'm going to try to be more consistent with that baseball article over the next several weeks. I do apologize for that. Make sure you download the ATS app and check out all of the other great content that we have going on. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the Betters Box.